Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, this is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. All right, here we are once again. You know, we do all kinds of different things here on the Decibel Geek Podcast, but this week we're pulling back a classic. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my awesome friend and my kick-ass co-host, Chris Sinzak. What's going on, brother? Just happy to be back with you again. I'm a few beers in, so uh, feeling less pain than I was, so happy to be back. <laughs> I feel that, man. You uh, put me off for an hour, so I drank a couple of extra Bloody Marys. I'm not drunk, but I'm loose. I'm feeling loose today. You're loose like a cannon? Uh-huh. Loose like yeah. a goosey cannon. <laughs> But yeah, we're doing something special today. Something that, you know, is has always been kind of revered on the show. Something that we haven't done very often in the whole existence of the Decibel Geek podcast today is Camaro's Cutout Bin, Volume 3. In nine years, Volume 3. Yeah, like this is like, it's, it's become like a unicorn with our listeners because like they're like, when are we ever going to do this again? So, um yeah, and Aaron certainly has no uh, no lacking of material to choose from with his nope. CD collection. I sure don't. You know, I'm I'm an audio file and I'm a CD file on top of it, and so I go all over the place and I'm always looking for CDs. You guys over the years have seen pictures of the studios. In the background, it's always racks full of CDs. I love it. You know, I love having it in my hand. I love opening up the sleeve. I love looking at it. You know, I love the fact that we do this show. And if I need a piece of information about an album or a song, I know that the best place to get it is from the album sleeve itself. And if I've got the CD right over there on the shelf, I know that the information is true. And so over the years, doing the Decibel Geek podcast, having a collection of CDs has served me awesomely. Yeah, it's like, and I miss your CD collection because I haven't seen you since what March. Yeah, it's grown quite a bit since then. It's just, it's so crazy that that the the new normal is we're doing these things, you know, what forty miles apart now. Yeah, so, it sucks, man. It yeah. really sucks because you know, it, for me, recording the podcast is always a highlight of the week. You know, knowing that there's people out there looking forward to hearing it, getting together with my awesome friend and talking about rock and roll. It's truly a highlight of my week, but it's just not the same as when I used to be able to just look across the table here and see my friend who would come over and visit me every single week. It's just not the same. Uh, that's why we, I guess we could go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. We're going to start doing some live streaming soon, so we'll actually get to see each other a little bit. Yeah, we've been talking to Rock and Ron about it. You know him. He's our guy over at Decibel Geek TV. He's got nothing to do 
poor guy. All he's got to do is try to be able to upload our podcasts onto the YouTube without getting flagged for one reason or another, which always seems to happen nowadays. But Ron's got nothing better to do. There's no concerts going on. He needs our help. And when we talked to him, we decided, hey, why don't we just finally start doing some live stream stuff? Let's start doing some stuff we can put on Decibel Geek TV since the poor guy ain't got nothing else going on. He's dying for our help. And so we're going to start looking into doing stuff like that. Yeah, I'm excited to do it. And we've talked about doing it for years, but uh, it's kind of the technology's there. It's pretty inexpensive. And uh, I think we're going to do it pretty soon. Uh, So we're excited to do that and have Ron involved. But uh, today, Camaro's cutout band, finally. Uh, It's been a long time since we've done this. So uh, I've got my thoughts on these bands that you told me about. So uh, we'll get to it soon. Yeah, I went ahead and gave Chris the heads up ahead of time this time so he could get a check out on some of these bands because. Have you, well, let me ask you this. Have you heard of any of the bands on my list today? Two of them. So two of them you actually have heard of before? Yes. Very cool. I can't wait to find out which ones. But, of course, before we get into all that today, as this is a special occasion, we still have to take care of our business. And what's our business? Well, you know us. It's reviews and recommendations. We love them. You can give them to us. It's so simple and easy. You can go to Stitcher. You can go to Podchaser. You can go to Apple Music. And you can give us Facebook recommendations. However you want to do it, we're cool with it. And the last couple of weeks, we haven't had any. And so every week, we just said, oh, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever. Well, this week, Chris just sends me a message a couple of minutes before we start recording. He says, no reviews again this week. What the fuck? (laughs) I know you're going to share that. <laughs> but then you went on Facebook and said, hey, no reviews. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And luckily, right before we started recording, we got a Facebook recommendation. asking ye shall receive, because we've got great friends out there, great friends like Paul Korn, who has been a Decibel Geek listener and supporter since way, way, way back. We actually got to meet Paul. He came to Nashville one time with his, at the time, was his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And we met them at the Decibel Geek studio where we used to record out in Laverne, Tennessee. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And what happened after that? Those two ended up getting married. Yeah, I thought they were married when they were here, which made Paul like blush pretty badly because I kept kept referring to Natalie as his wife. They were lovey dovey. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but it was great having them over, and they've uh, they've become a really happily married couple. And uh, Paul posts to this day one of some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen on Facebook. So he he's right in line with our sense of humor. Right, and I always kind of look back on that moment and figured she looked at him and said, well, if this guy is hanging out with dudes like the Decibel Geek podcast, he must be <laughs> marrying material. Much. You're giving us way too much credit, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of, well, he likes these guys, but I love him, so maybe I'll marry oh, him. okay. I know it had to be one of the two. So anyway, Paul, at the last moment, he saw Chris's cry for help, and he answered, with a sweet Facebook recommendation that goes like this. I first stumbled upon the Decibel Geek podcast sometime in 2012, way back, and I've been hooked ever since. 
Since that discovery, the show has surpassed 420 quality, long-format episodes, with guests ranging from 80s rock gods and big-name producers to more niche interviews with roadies, costume designers, and even listeners. The show has a solid KISS pedigree, and even as a casual fan of that band, the stories and dedication to the obscure details keep me entertained. The show is polished with solid production quality, but hasn't lost any of its everyman appeal that I loved from the first time listening. The hosts, Chris and Aaron, are personable, knowledgeable, and engaging. No matter the subject matter, the entertainment value of the banter between the co-hosts, along with their honest and no-holds-barred opinions, are more than enough reason to give them a listen. The running jokes and callbacks to earlier conversations never fail to amuse me. I love these guys, and you should too. But you can't love them before you like them, so get started now. You've got some catching up to do. And that comes to us from Paul Korn, and it's fucking awesome. Well, speaking of callbacks, here's Vinnie Vincent's musical output for this week. <laughs> I haven't done that one in a long time. I love stuff like that. And, you know, what makes that really cool is that because Paul Korn is such an old school listener that came in way back in 2012, when we're doing our inside jokes, I know mm. that there's always a handful of people that get it. There's always a ton of people that don't have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, but there's always that special handful of people that'll remember that throwback joke to episode 108 or something yeah. like that. It's cool to have people that have been on board that far back like Paul, and yeah. uh, we love all you newer listeners too. It's great to hear from you as well, but uh, it's great to it's great to have such a, you know, we have almost a decade behind us now, which is really hard to fucking believe. So as awesome as that is, and what a sweet, sweet Facebook recommendation from our awesome, old-school, good brother, Paul Korn. I also had kind of gathered up a couple of comments that we had about last week's episode when we went on the eBay treasure hunt that I thought were pretty cool. I got one from Scott Smith, and this one was a reminder of how, you know, you and I, we're week to week. You know, we're always thinking about the next thing. We're never thinking about, you know, two, three, four episodes back. We're always on the move. But what you don't think about when you're doing a podcast is that a lot of people will do the binge listen, you know, mm-hmm. where they'll listen to a whole bunch of them, get caught up, stop for a while, and then start again and get caught up again. We got a cool message from Scott Smith on the Facebook that said, mm-hmm. listening to episode 390 of Decibel Geek podcast from earlier this year while working around the house. Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro, I nearly died laughing at your comments on David Lee Roth, the first night of the Vegas residency, and Van Halen. I had completely forgotten about that. And I had too until he mentioned it. <laughs> I don't even remember what I said, but I'm yeah. Oh, I'm you were he, sassy. Like, you were super was, sassy about David Lee Roth, but it was well, pretty damn funny. Well, he sounded fucking terrible on that yeah. video footage. Yeah, he sure did. We got another <laughs> one from Andrew Jacobs that said, got a birthday shout out on my favorite rock and metal podcast. Between that and half of 411's reunion and not having COVID, my 50th birthday week was pretty fucking good. Oh, that's cool. I like to hear that. And then I got to say, 
We talk about this being a rock community and what we've created, and there's so many people that comment on the Facebook page and get in on the conversation and stuff. And when it came to last week and what we asked for at the end of the episode, Grayson Gallegos said, great episode. You guys always come up with fun and creative topics. How about enough's enough with this one? And he posted a link to this poster that is like a -a one-of-a-kind it's a 1998 Double Door Chicago, and it's freaking awesome, man. It's got a clown. He's balancing on one hand on a ball. In his butthole, he's balancing one leg of a chair, and onto that chair is tied a beautiful woman. And on top, it says, Nuff's Enough. On the bottom, it says, April 25th, 1998. And I want that poster so bad, but... <laughs> It's $361.99. Damn. But that's what I'm talking about right there. That's kind of what we called out for at the end of last week's episode. Get online, look up your favorite band, and let us know something cool you found in your eBay treasure hunt. And as far as I can tell, Grayson's the only one that was picking up what we were putting down. Well, come on, people. I know a lot of you have really awesome collections. Show off what you have. So, I mean, there's that, and that's awesome. So I thank everybody that comments on these episodes when they come out, and I thank everybody that shares them and retweets them. But the glory is unto itself because the people who do that are Geeks of the Week. Yeah, Geeks of the Week this week are Kristen Schimbeck, Matt Ashcraft, Mark Alton-Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Sean Cullen, Keith Rockford, Todd Cunningham, Simon Katz, Shay Hargett, Paul Korn, Christina Green, Mike Parnell, David Glenn, Joseph Capone, Aaron Baker, Adam Cox, Trevor McDougall, Mikhail Burrell, Rock and Ron Runyon, Decibel Geek TV, Scott Crouch, Warren Edward LaRue Baker, Andrew Jacobs, Paul Smith, Doug Fox, JJ Mack, Hakon Bergstad, Alan Deshaun, Body of the Soul, JJP, Daniel Lee, Eladio, Vet Halen, and as always, The, the Mooger Fooger. Fooger. See, that's one thing that I know makes the difference between recording together live when we're in the same room versus recording halfway across a couple of counties. We don't have the same vibe when we do the Mooger Fooger anymore. I think that was as close as I've ever gotten to having it perfectly in synergy with you. Yeah, pretty close, but it's never going to be as perfect as when we can look each other in the eyes from across the table and say the Mooger Fooger. But what are you going to do? It's a quarantine. Yep. Well, one thing that the quarantine cannot stop is the return of Camaro's cutout bin. If you're not familiar with this, let me reintroduce you to the concept. I am crazy. Ask my (laughs) wife. She'll tell you. When she's standing in a music store that's got boxes of random CDs, and she's been there for an hour, and I'm going, yeah, yeah, hang on, hang on, hang on, just give me a, just give me a few more minutes. She knows I'm crazy when it comes to CDs. I will go anywhere if I think CDs are on sale there. I will pick through numerous boxes of bullshit to find one CD that I think might be cool. And I go to all the good sales. We got great stores here in Nashville. I'm going to tell you about some of them here today because I've picked up some awesome stuff going to a lot of different places. And when it comes down to CDs that are dirt cheap, and I don't know if they rock or not, but I'm willing to give it a shot, those are what makes up Camaro's cutout bin. These are CDs that I probably spent no more than $5 on in some cases, 
25 cents, as we'll find out here today. But these are cheap-ass CDs of bands that I'd never heard of and thought, you know what? For this price, I'm willing to give it a shot. So every once in a great, great while, what I like to do is pull out a handful of these CDs, go through them, share them with the Decibel Geek listeners, share them with my co-host Chris Sinzak, because you never know, we might discover one of our new favorite bands here today, and I got a good feeling about this. It's an interesting mix of stuff you picked out, and I will say I think I like this lineup better than the last one. Yeah, okay, good. That's good because I really I really wanted to go for some really good stuff this time. When I went through in the past when I've done this show, I kind of wanted to highlight that there's good and there's bad. This time I think I went about it a little bit differently where as I wanted to feel like I wanted to showcase some of the best stuff that I had found. And so, I mean, as the fact is, I could do a hundred of these episodes because that's how many weird-ass CDs I've gotten that I've taken chances on, and some of these I've never even listened to yet. Some of these ones we're going to talk about today, I really gave a first try on here today. But like I said, got these CDs on the cheap. Might be pretty awesome. Might not. But I think for the most part, these ones are pretty good. So you ready to get started? Let's go. All right. I want to start out strong because this was one of the favorite ones that I had found. Now, Chris, I've sent you the artwork. I gave you the heads up about the bands that I was going to be talking about here today. And we're going to start things off with a band called Two Bit Thief. Have you ever heard of Two Bit Thief before? This is one of the few that you had that I actually had heard of. Oh, nice. Well, the album that I got is called Another Sad Story in the Big City, and it came out in 1990 on Combat Records. I got this one in the metal section at the Phonolux, one of Nashville's most longest-running and most prestigious and awesome music stores that we have in this city. Phonolux is one of those stores that they got a lot of albums, a lot of LPs. That's the thing nowadays. Everybody's looking for LPs. Not me, man. I'm looking for CDs. And Phonolux, not only do they got a pretty good selection, they've got all the weird shit. If you're going to this store and you're thinking about your favorite band and you think, I've already got everything that this band has ever put out, you better take a minute and go through that section because at Phonolux, you're probably going to find something that you didn't even know that your favorite band ever released. And if it's weird and it's outside the box, some kind of crazy import, odds are if you're in Nashville, Phonolux is the place you're going to find it. I found this album, like I said, in the metal section at Phonolux for three dollars and 99 cents yep. so for 3.99 i thought man i'm looking at the cover they look pretty cool i look at it there's a drummer two guitar players a bass player and a singer okay i think it's worth it i'm gonna drop four bucks on this so i brought it home i listened to it and it's fucking awesome man it's really good i like this a lot
So then I had to do the research. So this is what I found out about the band Two Bit Thief. This is a band formed in 1989 in San Francisco when the band's Piranha and Attitude Adjustment merged. These bands were a pretty big deal in the thrash metal scene around the same time as Metallica, especially the band Attitude Adjustment, who by some are considered to be some of the forefathers of that whole thrash metal scene. And even though they were signed to Combat Records, the home of bands like Venom, Exodus, and Megadeth, 2-Bit Thief is not a thrash metal band. Mm-mm. The album was recorded at the famous Sun Prairie Studios in California. It was produced by Dino or Dino Alden, who made a name working with shrapnel artists like Marty Friedman and Cacophony. Yep. So that pretty much tells you what you need to know about how great the guitars are going to sound on this album. And also, as far as the sound quality goes, for a band I've never heard of, you don't ever expect the sound quality to be that great. This thing was mastered by Howie Weinberg. Talking about like 15-time Grammy Award winning Howie Weinberg. So again, for a band I've never heard of, production, fucking awesome. This album sounds (laughs) like something that could be on the level of Guns N' Roses or Metallica or anything coming out back in that time, 1990-ish. It's got Andy Anderson on lead vocals, Ron Shipes and Chris Caparo on guitars, Rick Stahl on bass, and Eric Brecht on drums. These guys probably shouldn't have been in San Francisco. They should have been 378 miles south on the Sunset Strip, and probably three years earlier. There's some thrashy moments on here, but 2-Bit Thief is more Aerosmith than it is Slayer. But there's also some punk rock elements mixed in with this stuff. Their sound is pretty hard to nail down because there's a lot of different stuff going on in these songs. And they even do a rocked out version of Johnny Cash's Folsom Prison Blues. So did you get a chance to check out any of this band? What did you think of them? You knew about well, it them already. Was, this is one I knew about, and like, but I didn't remember them until you brought it up. Okay. Because I had a friend from California who was in my high school who was a big fan of Jet Boy. And... Jet Boy had Billy Rowe, who was a guitar player, and yeah. Billy Rowe actually later, I think after this album came out, wound up playing with Two Bit Thief. Oh wow! And but he was big, and he was from the San Francisco area, so he was into Jet Boy. He was into Metallica. There was a lot of bands from that that Bay Area scene that he was into. He probably and definitely he to, knew who Attitude Adjustment was. Oh yeah, that for sure. And he knew about two bo- two bit thief, and he had this CD, and I used to listen to it with him in his bedroom. But so it actually blew me away when you sent this to me, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" I hadn't even thought about this record since what ninety two, maybe when I heard it. Nice. And uh, and I I remember listening, and I hadn't heard it since back then. But like, it's very kind of L.A. Guns, Faster Pussycat, almost Skid Row type, you yeah. know, sleaze rock type stuff. And um, but it's not songs about sex. Like it's songs about like really deep issues and right. stuff, yeah, which yeah, makes it a sure. little different.
Um, but yeah, I mean, love it. I mean, I, the whole album's really good. This is probably... There's some other really great stuff of what you picked here, but this is ranking near the top for me. Yeah, like I said, I really wanted to start strong. When this album came out, they made a really cool video for the song Broken Hearts. It was like a mini-movie. You remember how they used to do them videos that were like mini-movies? All the cool bands were doing it back then. But I don't remember ever seeing this one on MTV. I don't either. Man, it's, <laughs> it's pretty damn cool. It's like they really put the work behind it. So then it comes to the questions that always come up in Camaro's Cutout Bin. Number one, does it rock? Oh, yeah, this oh, rocks yeah. in a whole lot of different ways. Man, I like it a lot. It's a really good album. So then the next question comes to the artwork. And I'm going to give this one three street gamblers out of five. The <laughs> band has a good name, Two Bit Thief. I think that's, that's great. It's got a really cool logo. The album cover shows the band in what looks like, you know, the seedy part of town. Andy Anderson is rolling dice. And, you know, nothing says bad boys like rolling dice in the streets. <laughs> the inner sleeve, it's got all the lyrics which are, like Chris said, a lot deeper than a lot of the bands that shared that kind of image at that time. And there's a really killer tune on this album called Industry that talks about mankind's negative effects on the world. We're not yeah. partying and getting laid and having a good time. These guys were taking it more serious. Something else in the liner notes that I thought was pretty cool was some interesting names in the thanks section. You know, every band has got the who they want to thank section. So this is kind of a weird biopic, I guess, of where this band is. So if you look at this band, if it's who they're around and what they're influenced by and what they're about, let's take a look at who they thank in their thanks section in the CD. Lemmy and Motorhead, Junkyard, Slayer, Dangerous Toys, Megadeth, The Artist Pusshead, Billy Milano of S.O.D., Anthrax, Testament, Las Rocket, D.R.I., Death Angel, Jet Boy, Suicidal Tendencies, Metallica, Faith No More, Rose Tattoo, and Prong. I can see that. So that's what this band is. So if you like those bands... You're probably going to dig 2-Bit Thief. Oh, and how could I forget? They also thanked Richie. How do you cook a hamburger? Kotzen. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that. Richie Kotzen did not know how to cook a hamburger, apparently, back apparently in, not. in 1990. And they also thank all the rockers, punks, meddlers, rastas, and all other assorted folks who have supported us. Well, the thing about like bands like this and like the early 90s, it's... It's kind of a, it's like, like I get, like people say like, you know, grunge killed hair metal. Well, honestly, hair metal killed hair metal with bands like Pretty Boy Floyd. And there was a lot of C-League copy, copycat bands, but there was also a lot of bands like this one and Warrior Soul and, you know, Warrant with Dog Eat Dog, where they were taking a tougher, harder sound where I almost wish that had gotten a fair shake. Yeah. Because... Because bands like this got in, like, was it Cats and Boots? That was another one that you played on a right. previous episode. Talking about Tough, talking about Enough's Enough. I mean, yeah. on I mean, down there the was line, Asphalt Ballet. I mean, there's Asphalt Ballet. There was, like, actual substance there that got overshadowed, and this is one of those bands. Yeah, Roxy Blue, Tora Tora. Yeah. So many bands. This band is right there with them. Is this one on eBay? 
Yeah, you can get this CD for between 10 and 15 bucks. As a matter of fact, if you get on the case now, you can get it in the old school cardboard long box for 12 bucks. <laughs> That's badass. I like that. Are they still around? No, they appear to have disbanded somewhere in the mid-90s. I couldn't find a lot of information about them, but it looks like Andy Anderson would go on to reunite with Attitude Adjustment and come out with an album in 96. But with a lot of these bands you're going to find out here today, there's not a lot of information out there about them. You know, there's so many bands nowadays that, you know, if you you fall in the cracks, you're kind of gone. Yeah, if you happen to actually know who Two Bit Thief is and you like them, three bands I'm also willing to bet you like is probably Guns N' Roses, Jet Boy, and the Black Crows, because I find a little bit of that in all this. I heard some definite Faster Pussycat and some of that stuff, too. This one, like I said, it's kind of hard to pin it down because it's almost like a thrash metal band that is doing more Sunset Strip-type songs with a little bit of Black Crow's flavor in some of it and some kind of like Jet Boy punk rock mixed in there, too. I like it a lot. There's another one of your picks we're going to get to in a little while, though, where I talk about Unfocused. We'll get to it, though. Yeah, okay, well, we'll get there. Another question I always ask on the cutout bin is, why are they in the cutout bin? And I say, I guess, like so many bands of this era that were really good, their time just ran out. You know, the the time shifted. If if grunge could have held out for another couple of years, a band like Two Bit Thief might have been pretty big. And then what's the true test of a CD like this on Camaro's cutout bin? How many of these songs off this CD ended up on my iPod? When it comes to Two Bit Thief, I like this one so much, it's twelve out of twelve. Yeah. Wow. I really like this one a lot. Over time, some of the tracks might drop off, but for now, I put the whole thing on there, and I'm going to be on the lookout for their other CD, because they have a second one that came out in 1993 called Gangster Rebel Bop, and I had no idea. So now that I like this one, I'm going to be looking into that. And also, the next time, remind me, the next time we're talking to Tom Hazard, we need to ask him about the possibility of Combat Records finding these guys and maybe putting out a new album. I think that'd be really cool. I'd be game. I mean, Combat Records was always known for like thrash metal. Like I said, Megadeth I and Venom and stuff like that. It's it's a weird match. But these guys were on there too. Yeah, good band though. I I, I really it, it brought back so many so many memories from high school. That's cool. I get a kick out of it when somebody else actually knows what I'm talking about when it comes to yeah. these bands. And you know what? You never know. You know, just where you are, where you are in life, and you happen to come across something like that, and you just happen to have a friend that was into it. I never heard of it. Yeah, he loved it. He used to play this record all the time when I was hanging out at his house. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right, you ready for the next one? Yeah. All right, I got ten of them today. We got one down. Here's number two. This is one that I got at the big old five CDs for a dollar sale that they do every once in a while at the Great Escape here in Nashville, Tennessee. I always love that. It's hit and miss, but you know what? When CDs are a quarter a piece, it really loosens up my standards quite a bit. It allows me the opportunity to buy something that I've never heard based on pretty much just a quick examination of the CD case and the artwork in that instance, becomes very, very important. So what made me drop a whole 25 cents 
on a band called Neon Horse. Well, first off, they got a really cool logo, and it gives me kind of kiss mixed with Black Sabbath feelings when I look at it. And really, that's all it took. 25 cents, I'm willing to give this a shot. Plus, the sticker that's on it describes them as being influenced by the rock pack leaders of 1975 to 1985. Neon Horse morphs timeless energy with brilliant modern relevance, an unstoppable combination of rock and sass. For the most part, this is a pretty damn good album. For something that came out in 2007, I dig it. It's pretty cool. So Neon Horse, they're kind of a mysterious thing. I think they may have been more of a project than a band because the band credits only list Norman Horse as the singer and Neon Horse as the band. And after doing a little digging, I found that when this album came out, there was a lot of speculation to who the musicians playing on this album actually were. So it's kind of like a Kiss thing. Nobody knows who these guys are. A 2007 review that I found on the Jesus Freak Hideout website speculated that the band may be comprised of former members of no less than 20 defunct L.A. bands. Hmm. Yeah, it's a trip. Before I answer the Camaro's cutout questions, what did you think of this? It's an interesting CD. I mean, like, uh, the first song, I, I went on YouTube and checked out the band, and the first song was, is ironically, the last song on the record called Merciless Mother. And that one I liked a lot. It's like, it's it's kind of got a good, kind of chilled out, you know, musical part to it. But then, like, when you get into certain other songs... It's almost like the guy from the B-52s. It's like really kind of kind of halting, you know, really stark vocals like yeah. that that, uh, that are a little jarring. Um, overall, I could deal with a song or two off this band, but overall I would not want to listen to a whole CD of it. That's my take. All right. So when it comes to the Camaro's cut open questions, I got to ask the first question when you bring it home and you check it out you spent something on it you never heard of it you want to at least know does it rock yeah it definitely rocks i mean the guitar tones are killer but it's kind of like artsy stoner rock it's got big riffs lots of 70s style kind of moog synthesizer stuff going on the singer's really unique he's got a delivery i think that's kind of like mike Patton. But like you said, there are spots where he kind of, it's as big as a whale kind of shit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) 
But honestly, that kind of threw me off on the first listen. But anytime I listen to it after that, because I really tried to make a point of not just listening to these CDs one time and making a judgment on it. I really tried to spend some time with them. And the more I listen to it, the more I dig it. When it comes to the artwork for the album, I'll give it four known arsonists out of five. First off, the logo. I mean, come on, doesn't that look like Kiss and Sabbath kind of combined? No, it's a cool look. Super awesome logo. And I think the artwork's really cool. It folds out into like this little mini poster, and it depicts three rough-looking dudes who just set fire to a carousel. Now that's pretty metal. And it's got the lyrics. So I give that one four out of five. Is it on eBay? Yeah, you can get this one for about six bucks. Are they still around? I don't think so. The cutout bin kind of brings me down sometimes, and I'll go through this more than once here today. It's like when you discover a band, and it's really cool, and you like it a lot, and then you discover it's dead, and it was, it's been dead for years. And then you think, well, damn, I might have supported this when it was alive if I'd have known about it. So if you happen to know who Neon Horse is and you like them, I bet you're also probably a fan of Faith No More, Queens of the Stone Age, and Clutch. Those are the bands that I feel are in kind of the realm of this. Well, another one I would bring up would be Electric Six. Do you remember them? I do remember Electric Six, and I like that band. So, yeah, that works for me. Yeah, it's kind of in the same vein. Why is Neon Horse in the cutout bin? I don't know. Maybe they rocked a little too hard for 2007. Maybe they're just a little too weird. I don't know. Seems like they got some songs on here that maybe could have been radio hits. I'm not sure. This isn't exclusive to there's just this one pick. I think a few of these bands are Christian bands. Really? Yeah. I, from what the research, the little bit of research that I did, I think this is one of the one of the of a few that are actually Christian bands. I had no idea. I listened to this album. I didn't even. I guess that's one of them things. You don't know it's a Christian rock band until somebody tells you it's a Christian rock band. Yep. Either way, I think it rocks. I gave this one 8 out of 12 on the iPod, and I think it was a steal at 25 cents. Oh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, I think Neon Horse was one and done. Yeah, I think so. They're not the only ones we'll find here today on Camaro's Cutout Bin. But not bad. Two good ones to start out with. You ready to go on to number three? Yep. All right, here's one that I kind of talked about not too long ago on the show, and it goes a little something like this. The Craigslist ad read something like, Japanese rock CDs, all in great condition. 40 CDs for 40 bucks or best offer. And after learning what we learned about Visual K, Japanese hard rock and metal from Kevin Williams, I couldn't pass that up. I'm such a CD junkie. I'm even looking for them on the Craigslist. I figure if if I can find an awesome co-host, basically a, a podcast life partner like Chris Sinzak on the <laughs> Craigslist, what can't I find? I'm finding big old bagfuls of weird Japanese CDs. And so, like I said, when this came up, I couldn't pass it up. So I sent the dude a message said, hey, what do you think? I'll meet up with you. I'll give you the money. I figured I'd get there and maybe talk him into 30 bucks. But as it weirdly turned out, when I got there, I knew the guy. So I bought him. I gave him the full 40 bucks, and I brought him home. And I thought, how cool. 
because half the thrill of going through those discs was getting to see firsthand on how much better Japanese CD packaging is than what we get here in the U.S. (laughs) There's so many cool extras. Pretty much anything you can cram into a double CD case, you're going to get with a Japanese CD. And I got an assortment of albums by various Japanese bands that I'd never heard of, but I went with Penicillin because I got a good chunk of their discography now, and they're actually pretty damn great. Now, as an American, I got to admit that I got a tough time truly enjoying rock music sung in a foreign language to what I'm familiar and comfortable with. With that being said, I also know a great song when I hear it, and regardless of whether I can understand the singer or not, Penicillin has really got some really, really awesome songs. So when I got this home and I listened to it, I thought, okay, this is going to be great for Camaro's cutout bin because clearly I paid a dollar a piece for all these awesome Japanese CDs. So this is what I've learned about the band Penicillin. They were formed in Tokyo in 1992 by Hirohide Tanaka, who is the focal point and only constant member of the band. They have at least 16 studio albums as far as I can count. And they hit their peak back in 1998 with three top ten singles in the Oricon Japanese music charts. They remained popular in Japan through 2010, where between then, all their singles would land in at least the top 50. So this was a pretty big band in Japan. check out any of this well i tried to look up the album on youtube and i had no luck so all i could find was a one single from this band from a different record and all i could think of is this is pretty freaking weird so <laughs> i uh i don't have a high opinion of penicillin per so far but i haven't heard anything off the record you have okay so then let's get to the cut open questions first question always does it rock Well, this album's up and down. There's some songs that are straight-up metal songs with killer guitar playing, but there's also power ballads on here. There's a lot of different things to digest while listening to this. For one, the musicianship is top-notch, and the songs are catchy and well-written, and even if I can't understand the lyrics, I still enjoy the delivery and the flow, and the dude has a really great Japanese voice. I'll give him that. He's got a great voice, even if I don't understand what the hell he's saying. I dig it way more than I ever thought I would. Seriously, this stuff is pretty damn good. The artwork, I'm going to give it four pairs of werewolf pajamas out of five. (laughs) That's right. Hirohide, who's also known by his stage name, Hakai, I think, 
He's dressed in werewolf pajamas, standing in front of a giant white box with red drapes covering it. And that's the theme throughout the whole CD booklet. Photos of band members, lyrics, logos. It's all in front of it. This big white box with these red drapes. By the end of the booklet, I just want to know what's in the fucking box. (laughs) But it's never revealed. (laughs) Is Kevin Kevin Williams aware of this band? No. I asked him about this. He was not aware of penicillin. But after listening to it, I think this is something he should definitely be aware of. So is this on eBay? It is not on eBay, but you can get a copy on Amazon for about 35 bucks. Are they still around? I think penicillin is kind of semi-retired at this point. From what I could gather is it's not a band anymore, but they still kind of come together every once in a while and do like special shows in Japan. If you actually know who penicillin is and if you dig them, I guess you probably like Visual K music. Uh, Let's see. Songs on the iPod. On this one, eh, it's one out of 12. Yeah. Yeah, it's a a pretty cool album to listen to all the way through, but I don't see this as something that I would enjoy coming up on the shuffle, and that's usually how I listen to my music on my iPod. But the one song that I could not live without is called Love Ghost is born in the dope zone. (laughs) Sounds like a Barrel and Manson song. from Tokyo, Japan. Reaching far far to the far east for that one. All right, you ready to go back to the United States with the next one? Yep. All right, Camaro's cutout bin rolls on. Here's another one. Man, I got a great deal on this CD. There used to be kind of a franchise here called CD Warehouse. Chris, you remember these? Yeah, I used to go to them a lot. Yeah, they were all over the place when I first moved to Tennessee. But over the years, they kind of started to die off right along with the Tower Records, the Media Plays, and the Sam Goodies that all used to be here. Man, I miss those places. Oh, for sure. Nowadays, there's only one CD warehouse left, and it's out in Rivergate, outside of Nashville. It's just this little place tucked in between an old country buffet and a Plato's Closet ladies' clothes store. I didn't know there was any CD warehouses left. One survives. Yeah. I used to wonder how this place survived the music store purge of the mid to late 2000s, but I figured it has for two reasons. I think people like Tim. He's the guy who runs it, and he's a super cool guy. And I noticed a lot of people come in just to kind of (sighs) talk and hang out with him. And the other cool thing about this store is it's the only store like this that still gets small quantities of new release CDs, which is kind of cool because, like, if I forget that something's coming out, there's odds are chance that if I swing down there real quick, I might get that one copy of the new Striper album. 
or something <laughs> like that. Because he's still going to order it because somebody's going to get it. And I always get a kick out of that because it's nice to see a music store that doesn't rely totally on used music, but still kind of hangs tight to the ways that it used to be. And even though you don't want to get 10 new Striper CDs, you get one or two and somebody's going to buy them. And I like that. Yep. Anyway, I'm glad this store survived because I found some really, really cool stuff in the CD warehouse, including this band, Electric Frankenstein, who for a band that I've never heard of, are actually considered to be highly influential. Have you ever heard of the Electric Frankenstein? Not till today, and it, it, I feel kind of shitty because apparently they've put out like a hundred something records. Yeah, yeah. Electric Frankenstein was formed in New Jersey in 1991, known for relentlessly releasing singles, EPs, and albums on vinyl. They have released well over a hundred LPs over the years. They are also known as one of the first bands to embrace the internet as a means of promotion and had launched their website way back in 1991. Their album and poster artwork is highly praised and very, very cool. Their tours of Europe inspired bands like Turbo Negro and the Helicopters and countless other bands looking for that formula to blend classic punk rock with guitar-driven hard rock. They themselves have been described as ACDC meets the Dead Boys. you mentioned that because like i i don't think i'd ever heard of them before which is surprising considering all the output they put out but i put down notes as i listen to each of these bands and my notes was reminds me of dead boys crossed with turbo negro so that's pretty accurate nice yeah right on the money yeah i'm not i'm not real big into the singer the singer kind of gets old after a while but um you know catchy punk rock you know power pop power punk i guess you should you could say but uh, not bad. I like. I overall, I liked it. Right on. So the questions are: Does it rock? Yeah, this totally jams. It totally jams. The artwork. I'm going to give it three neck bolts out of five. Frankenstein monster themed artwork. Like all their stuff, this cover really pops with art drawn by DC Comics artist Rob Orzakowski. The rest of the CD book is punk style simple with no lyrics. And instead, it makes use of the limited space to advertise a couple of their other albums. Is it on eBay? No, this one's not, but a whole bunch of their other albums are. They all have badass Frankenstein monster-inspired art. There's one on Amazon for 40 bucks. 
but the artwork's different than the one I got. Not sure why. If you actually know who Electric Frankenstein are and you like them, I bet you really love what Guns N' Roses did on the spaghetti incident. Why? It's kind of like how Guns N' Roses took those punk rock bands and rocked them out, you know? Oh, gotcha. So it's kind of the same thing. Why is this band in the cutout bin? I'm not sure. I might have just got lucky with this one. I guess when you release hundreds and hundreds of albums, some of them are bound to slip into the cutout bin. I'm seeing them on eBay for 31 bucks. So as far as this one and songs on my iPod, I give it 6 out of 12. For the most part, I really dig it. But like Chris said, you know, after a while, they all kind of sound the same. But, you know, six of them songs out of the 12 I thought were really good. Fun punk rock. Just kind of got that rocked out punk rock sound, and that's cool. I like that. Yeah, not bad. I like it overall. All right, now for something completely different than that. Going on to band number five on Camaro's Cutout Bin, and this is a band called Jesse's Power Trip, and an album that I picked up called Not So Innocent. Chris, you ever heard of this? This is the... The second of the two that I had heard of. You know what? And when I listened to this, I thought, man, this is right up Sinzak's alley. I wonder if he knows about this one. It's nice to know that you do. I know about it, but I don't have that many nice things to say about it. (laughs) Yeah, I had never even heard of it before when I picked it up. And what I learned is that it came out in 1999. It features Jesse Bradman on vocals and keyboards, and he was in Night Ranger for a year. Then it's got David Sykes on bass, and he's known for being in Boston and Aldo Nova and Jafria. And then it's got Bob Giles, or maybe Bob Giles, on guitar. Gillis. Is it Gillis? Yeah, it's Brad Gillis' brother, I think. I don't know, because in the CD, it's spelled differently. Oh, maybe it is different then. But who knows how rock stars spell their name? Just like spell it however it sounds like, and that's what I'll call it. So maybe Gillis is actually Giles, and who knows? But yeah, I could definitely see that. That all kind of ties together with this. He's known for being a guitarist in a band called Innocent, which is a version of this band before this band. So originally this band was called Innocent. And for whatever reason, I'm guessing somebody somewhere had already named their band Innocent by 1999 and told them, "Mm -mm, you can't do that. So then they came back with Jesse's Power Trip and called the album Not So Innocent. What's cool about this album is that it's got some pretty cool guest appearances on it by Frank Hannon of Tesla and Richie. It's 1999, and I've learned how to cook a hamburger, Kotzen. (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's all right, you know. So the question is, yeah. does it rock? Somewhere in between, like, AOR and Hard Rock, somewhere in between there. What do you, I mean, like I said, when I listened to this, I thought Chris would like this. What do you know about this band? Why don't you like it? Well, I I mean, I'm a fan of AOR and I'm a a fan of Shredders because you've got the 
you've got the Richie Kotzen, and you've also got Mike Varney playing uh, certain guitar parts on mm-hmm. this. From you know, mm-hmm. Mike Varney found a Shrapnel Records. Yep. And that was the 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 Richie Kotzen and Mike Varney connection was how I had heard of it to start with. Because I had guitar player friends of mine that were raving about this record when it came out. Was it was it ninety nine? Is that when it came out? Yes. So it came out then, and I remember checking it out at the time, and I'm like, I don't hear it. It's just it's it's boring AOR. It's like bland AOR. So I wanted so badly to love this record, but uh, when I listened to it back in the day, and this is one of those where it's another one where you brought it up for this episode, and I had I had forgotten all about it since it came out, and uh, nice. I listened to it again today, and I'm like, oh. I remember why I don't like it because yeah. it's just boring. It doesn't utilize Richie's or even like Mike's known as a guitar kind of matchmaker, but Mike's a good guitar player on his own. But like even neither of them get their skills used to their fullest on this. It's just very boring AOR rock. It, it may have been a hit in the early 90s, late 80s, but in 99, it had no chance at all. Yeah, it's really not that great for me yeah, it's, it's on the boring. artwork. I'll rate it four uncomfortable situations out of five. It's a weird album cover. It's got like a little baby sitting in a little rocking chair, and it's watching TV, but there's a pistol coming out of the TV and pointing (laughs) right at the baby, and I don't care who you are. Nobody's comfortable looking at a pistol being pointed at a baby. It's a, it's just a, it's a dull record that just, it did not hit on any fronts at all when it ha- when it came out. But when you look at an album cover like that, you expect some kind of like really heavy metal. Yeah, you would like, think so. When you got a pistol pointed at a baby, it makes you feel uncomfortable, and so you think, okay, well, I got to get myself in the right mindset for this album because this is going to be yeah. some heavy, heavy shit. Uh, and then you put yeah, it but, on, and it's like, my baby, well, I love her. I even remember a guitar player friend of mine who was raving about it. (laughs) I still remember what I said to him because he was like, he loaned me the CD. And he's like, you got to listen to it. Like, Paul Gilbert's amazing on it. Mike Vardy even sounds good on it. And I listened to it and I said, I said, this makes Toto sound like fucking Slayer. Yeah. With this, you know, I guess then the question is, is it on eBay? Well, if you want it, it's there for 10 to 20 bucks. Are they still around? I think they're semi-retired. They might yeah, still be. I mean, they're musicians, so I'm sure they're still doing stuff. But, I mean, yeah, this band, I think, is long done. This was an experiment that went wrong. <laughs> One thing I seen was that that Jesse Bradman has got something to do with a thing called kickport. That's some kind of, you know what a kickport is on, like a bass drum. Uh-huh. Well, this one is something special to do with that. And I noticed that Kevin Williams from Accept. He endorses this kickport thing. So if you're a drummer, that might be something worth looking into. Hmm. Yeah, I did did not like this record at all. (laughs) Well, if you do know who Jesse's Power Trip is and you do like them, I'm betting you probably like Night Ranger, Bon Jovi, some of the wimpier White Snake stuff. Yeah, but I like that stuff, but it's done well on those albums. Yeah. And why is it in the cutout bin? Well, like Chris said, AOR in 1999. 
I have a feeling our friend BJ Cahuda likes this record, but I don't. Oh, you know BJ just loves this. This is one of his. <laughs> he's like that is one of the most unsung albums ever well, released. Sonny Pooney too, and he's just well, like because Richie Kotzen's on it. He's not only making rock and roll, he's making hamburgers too. Well, I was a fucking de- devotee of like Richie Kotzen and Mike Varney in those days because I, I I bought all the shrapnel stuff. I bought all Cacophony, yeah. Jason Becker, all that stuff. And even I, as a devotee, listened to this and was like, no, this is not good. Yeah, for me, I agree. (laughs) Songs on the iPod, generously, I gave it 3 out of 10. I don't know how long they're going to last on there. It's just not my thing. I mean, there is great musicianship on here. Jesse Bradman is a hell of a singer. And I think maybe some of these songs might grow on me if I gave it more of a chance, but uh, I don't it's know. It's not good, man. It's it, there's talent there, but it's it's a definite stab at trying to get radio play. When it was far too late, when you really yeah. missed the boat. All right, well, they can't all be million dollar winners. But this one's pretty damn close. The next band I got is called The Power Trio from Hell. Have you ever heard of them? Not till today. Well, this is an album called American Man. It came out in 1993. How did I get this one? Well, I was doing one of those sales where it's like, get as many CDs you can get for a buck. And I'm digging through, and I found this one, and I'm like, eh, 99 cents. Uh, Flip it over, look on the back. Produced by Eddie Kramer, and that's all I had to hear. This is actually a pretty freaking awesome album. I really like this one a lot. It features Brian Stewart Fox on vocals and bass, Johnny Blaze, Zach Anikis on guitar, and Kevin Mora on drums. Yes, living true to the name, they are the power trio from hell. These are three badass rock musicians. For something I've never heard of before, this pretty much blew me away. And if I was going to compare it to anything, I would call this... And I hate doing this, but I'm going to call this a blend three quarters Y&T with a quarter of Megadeth mixed in. Yeah, I have thoughts on this one. (laughs) Well, tell me what you think. Well, produced by Eddie Kramer, which is cool because obviously everything sounds good. Yeah, it does. Um, When I listen to this at first blush, it's, uh, it's unfocused. And that's that's the I think that's what prevented this from actually going anywhere because mm. you've got one song that sounds like almost like something Bob Seger would do, and then you go to the last song on the record, which I think is instrumental. It's about something about thrash. Oh and no! That's, like a, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about thrash epic. Yes, is the name of the song. It's, it's not instrumental. It's fucking awesome.
Okay, but it sounds like something Metallica would have done on Kill 'Em All. Yeah. And it's cool, but it's like, it's one of those albums where it's like, they, I listen to it and it's kind of like the modern day version of Wicked Lester where it's like, they didn't have an idea of what they wanted to be. And I think they were trying to basically please too many audiences at once. So it's well played and it's well executed, but it's unfocused. So when you, hmm. especially if you look at the time that this came out, what, 90, 91, I think? 1993. 93. So even worse. So it sounds like different styles trying to basically fight against each other. So it's not, there's there's definitely talent in the band. I mean, they're all good. Yeah, really. And then good. I, I went on and watched, like, there's a video for the song 19. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you read the the notes on the YouTube link for that, but no, I just I just of, watched the video and I thought, well, man, you know, in 1993, this is heavy. It's not, yeah. it's not glammy. You know, why wasn't this a little bit bigger than it was? It kind of made me think of like Helmet Unsung, how that yes. single became so big, and I thought, well, this could have fit right in behind that. Well, I think part of the problem is that you've a, a song like that sounds like something that Helmet would have done, but then if you listen to the first two songs on the record, it sounds like something that fucking I don't know Kenny Wayne Shepherd would have done. It's like it's 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 there's a mix of focus on this record, but like the funny thing about that video for Nineteen is if you look at the comment section, apparently the guy playing guitar in the video is not even the guitar player for the band. The guitar player for the band quit the band. The day before he was supposed to fly out to do the shoot, oh, wow. so they get somebody else to actually show up and do the video for them. Oh wow! And uh, it's uh, it's like a mix of weird genres. So it's one of those things where they were kind of like hamstrung before they really got going. Yeah, I guess I could kind of see that. So the questions are: Does it rock? Yeah, it it definitely rocks. It parts rocks it very does. very much. Yeah, part parts of it rock. For the artwork, I'm going to give it three tough-looking dudes with flowers out of five. Because that's a lot of what you see on there. The artwork kind of confused me. Yeah, it's not a picture. The None of the pictures are of the band. It's different. must be just like stock photos. It's just like dudes that look like they could beat your freaking ass. Or maybe at one time could beat your ass. Sniffing flowers. We're full of scars, but we're soft, too. Is it on eBay? Yeah, it's on eBay. You can pick it up between 7 and 15 bucks on there. Is this band still around? No, this was a one and done. If you even know who Power Trio from Hell is and you're a fan of them, I'm willing to bet that you like Megadeth. And really, to me, more than anything that I heard from this album, all the songs, as different as they are, as eclectic as this is, the one universal tie in all these songs, I think, is these guys got to be fans of Y&T. The singer, the structure of the songs, the guitar playing in it, it all calls me to Y&T. I don't know why. Maybe I'm off base on that, but I don't think so.
get that from the vocal standpoint, but like it's funny. What was the the other band we talked about that was on? Actually, it was actually on Combat. Was a Two Bit Thief. Yeah. Um, I think Power Fear from Hell would have fit better on Combat Records than that band would have. But uh, but yeah, I hear it. But although if you're patterning patterning yourself after Y and T, you're probably not doing things right. Not in 1993, and that's why they're in the cutout bin, I believe. Songs on the iPod for me, man, I really liked this a lot. I really did, and I gave it 10 out of 12. I don't know if that's going to last, but I really dig this. I like it a lot. I think this is one of the best bands that I've got on the Camaro's cutout bin this week. I put this one probably at number three. Well, let me let me say this. I while I, I'm explaining why they probably didn't make it because of being unfocused, as a music listener, I liked most of what I heard, for sure. I think it's a damn good album, and I highly yeah. recommend it. All right, you ready for the next one? Yeah, let's go. Well, with a name like the Camaros, it's got to rock, right? You would think so. <laughs> This one, well, Metal Mike sent it to me, so it was free. It's a five-song punk rock EP from a band in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I'm talking about the Camaros and an album called Stingray Beach that came out last year in 2019. Does it rock? It punk rocks. You get a chance to check out any of this? Yeah, I was not impressed. (laughs) Well, the artwork, I'm going to give it two giant wooden 70s ashtrays out of five. You remember those, the big giant wooden ones? Sure. Is it on eBay? No, but you can download it everywhere else. Is this band still around? Yep, they're in Florida. And if you actually know who the Camaros are, I bet you you also like the Ramones. Why is it in the cutout bin? Well, because Metal Mike bet me I wouldn't play it on the Decibel Geek podcast. (laughs) He did. (laughs) He used reverse psychology against me, and it worked. That's a good fan of the Camaros. So that's why it's on there. Songs on my iPod? Eh. Oh, but hey, I played the Camaros on the Decibel Geek podcast. That was like they remind me of the Dead Milkman, only less talented. Yeah, I don't know. You know, some of that punk rock stuff I really like. I like the Sex Pistols. Fucking love the Ramones. But you know, a lot of that stuff doesn't really grab me. You know, I'm a I'm a big heavy guitar guy. So you know, in your face, metal Mike. I played the Camaros on the Decibel Geek podcast. 
I'm sorry for everybody. Why'd I get that? Well, because they're called the Camaros. Yeah, my uh, my notes on this one were, reminds me of the Dead Milkman, only less talented, could not be produced any worse, and hard pass. Those are my notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're into that kind of punk rock stuff, you guys can find them out there. They're called the Camaros. You ready to get on to the next one? Yes. Oh, man, I don't know if you are. I don't think you are, because the next band I'm talking about is a band called Jet Circus, and an album that came out in 1990 called Step On It. Now, why did I get this album? Well, let's jump right ahead to the artwork. I'm going to give it two girls, girls, girls out of five. The cover is actually what grabbed my attention. It's two long-haired, metal-looking dudes with motorcycles. One of them standing there. He's got his foot up, standing on top of a skull. I mean, that's metal, right? This has got to be kick-ass. I'm going to love this. This is great. What a find. You think I'm fooling, maybe, but I'm in every single word I This is Swedish disco rap power metal. <laughs> yeah, this is really far out. Really far out. It's two dudes. One of them is named Terry Haw, and the other one is named Ez Gormier. They're from Sweden. Does it rock? Yeah. It rocks. But it's also pretty freaking weird. This is about the most experimental thing that I can imagine. You're talking about a couple of dudes from Sweden. One of them is really, really good on the keyboards and can do some sampling and weird stuff that, you know, was pretty unique in the year 1990. The other one is a hell of a guitar player. Both of these guys can sing. I mean, they can sing their asses off. But again, what grabbed me on this was the album cover. And when I looked at it, I saw Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue. And I thought, this has got to be badass. But what you get is really kind of strange. What did you think of Jet Circus? Well, my first uh, word of advice is for anyone listening to this album, skip the first track. (laughs) <laughs> um, the first track what was the name of the first track let me look it up real quick uh geez i'm all over the place here jet circus um victory like, dance yeah victory dance do not listen to victory dance because it's it'll ruin you for the rest of the record it's swedish disco rap power metal we're on a mission from god So 
but after that track, the rest of it is kind of straightforward hard rock, you know, and, and it's actually pretty good over the, overall. Um, yeah, if you can skip that first track, you're good. I do think that um, John Karabi might be facing a lawsuit uh, when it comes to their logo. Um, oh, yeah. John, yeah, if you look at the logo, that, and it's not on this record, but on the record after this, they used a certain logo that's kind of a stylized JC logo. And uh, it looks almost exactly like what Karabi used for his uh, acoustic record that came out a few years back. So I don't know. Um, they might both be in trouble with the Son of the Lord. Yeah, well, that's another thing. Is like they're apparently they're a Christian act. And, really? Uh, yeah. And uh, the funniest comment I saw on YouTube was somebody saying, "Can't they see they're not making Christianity better? They're making metal worse." <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I had a tough time with this album. So is it on eBay? The second album, Look at Death Now, is, but I didn't see this one on there at all. Are they still around? I guess they are individually, but I don't think they're doing Jet Circus anymore. If you actually know who Jet Circus is and you like them, then I'm guessing you probably also like Shotgun Messiah, Nine Inch Nails, the Scorpions, and Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Because I think if you take these four bands and throw them into a blender, somehow, some way, what comes out is Jet Circus. I think there's potential there, but they did not they didn't realize it. Yeah. Why is this album in the cutout bin? Well, I think in the early nineties someone said, you know, we need more bands that mix rock with electronic music. But this is not what they meant. <laughs> well, there's a lot of like Swedish bands that we love now, hard hardcore superstar Eclipse, a lot of bands. But like this is the kind of the cutting edge of that, I guess. This is really this album is pretty far out. Like I said, you got really good musicians. You got a keyboardist and a guitar player that are fucking awesome at what they're doing. They're both really good singers. I mean, the songs are well written songs, but there's no drummer. What you get is kind of like a uh, rap drummer kind of loop sort of thing going on here with this stuff. And it's almost like dance power metal. It's really kind of weird. Songs on the iPod for me, eh, zero out of ten. For now, I'm going to give this album another chance. I'm going to give it some more listens. Because like Chris said, other than that weird first rap song that kicks the album off, there really is some good stuff here. And the guitar playing is pretty damn phenomenal. That's why I throw the Vinnie Vincent Invasion into the mix, because the guitar playing is amazing. The Scorpions I throw in there because they got that melodic thing going on a lot in a lot of the same ways that the Scorpions you know, were successful with that. I throw the Nine Inch Nails into the blender because you got a lot of samples, the fake drums and all that, and Shotgun Messiah because, I mean, that's kind of what this band was doing, too. I mean, I could see these guys kind of being contemporaries around that time where Shotgun Messiah kind of experimented with, like, the punk rock, kind of mixing it with pop rock, mixing it with hard rock. And there's a lot of mixture of stuff on this album. It's a lot to digest. I mean, is this an album I think I could probably listen to all the way through and dig? I think so. But as far as pop it up on the shuffle, I don't know if this band is good for that. This is an album band. Yeah. 
It's it's definitely different for sure. So we got a couple more left. We got two more left on Camaro's Cutout bin this week. So far, we found some winners. We found some that are not so great. We found some, you know, basically all these bands today have been really good, but it's all a matter of flavor, what you like, what's your style. But there's a little something here today for everybody, I think, because none of these bands are really just terrible. Some of them are really fucking good, and some of them, you know, are a matter of taste. This next one... I think anybody could dig this. This is a band called the Radio Vipers and an album that came out in 2006 called The Morning Sunburst. Where did I get this one? Man, I got this one at the Goodwill. Yeah, you know, you go to the Goodwill, the wife's looking at the lady clothes and stuff. You got to kill some time. So you make your way back to the CDs. Man, this day I went back there and I found all kinds of cool stuff because they had a whole bunch of those mid-2000s Versailles rock tribute albums. You remember those, don't you? Not really, but like, I'm amazed that you found an Italian metal band in 2005 at a Goodwill. See, I had no idea that they were Italian. What I found that day was not only this album, but I found a tribute to Sammy Hagar. I found a tribute to Tina Turner. That's got Kip Winger on it. And a bunch of other weird tribute albums. But Radio Vipers was one that stood out to me because I recognized them because they had been included on some of these weird cover albums that I had. I remember them doing a cover of a Guns N' Roses song that actually ends up on this album. Yeah, they do a cover of It's So Easy on here, which is pretty damn cool. So what you got here is a band, I had no idea they were from Italy. I don't know nothing about them. There's really nothing out there on this band. I know that Mez Ryan is on vocals, Manny Pearl is on guitar, Sarah Stripe is on bass, and Iggy Street is on drums. Does it rock? pretty freaking awesome for the artwork i'm going to give this one four exploding cars out of five it's got great pictures of the band all the lyrics are in there the cover shows like this hot rod car exploding on the big screen it's pretty cool it really fits the music is this album on ebay yeah it's on there you can find it between six and 17 bucks it's funny how that stuff varies sometimes are they still around radio vipers they were one and done But Mm -hmm. if you know who they are and you're a fan of them, I bet more than anything, you're also a big fan of the Bullet Boys because that's what this band reminds me of more than anything. A little bit of GNR, maybe some L.A. Guns. But in 2006, 
man, that's a tough sell. And I think that's probably why it's in the cutout bin. Songs off this album that made it into my iPod. I'm going to give it 4 out of 10 because this is a straightforward hard rock band. Too bad they only had one album. Yeah, I mean, I, I listened to this today and I had never heard of them before, but it's amazing that you were able to pull this from a, a Goodwill in Tennessee because it's Italian metal. And I uh, I looked it up and like first time I heard it was, I was like, well, there's clearly a language issue here because you could tell the guy was not singing things as um, an American would. And uh, yeah. the the first song's called Boom Baby, but he's like, Boom Baby! And he's uh, he's singing it a little weird. And uh, I got to the Guns N' Roses cover, and I actually really dug that. Um, it's produced really well. Like, yeah. the guitars sound great on this. Uh, it, it's actually a really well-made CD. Um, but I'd never heard of Radio Vipers before this, and I actually really enjoyed it. So there's actually a lot of good Italian bands from, like, the mid-2000s that were doing hard rock music. So I don't know if it was like a scene that they were trying to kind of cultivate and it didn't happen, but there's actually some good stuff here. And uh, I this is an album I would definitely recommend you buying. I would think it's probably got a lot to do with that Versailles Records. And like I said, in the mid-2000s, that was kind of a thing where they were coming out with tributes to the cult that had bands like Enough's Enough on it and tributes to David Lee Roth. And like I said, they got the tribute to Sammy Hagar. They've got, there's a ton of tribute albums and it seemed like radio vipers were always on those. And I remember getting the one from the cult because Enough's Enough was on it doing a cover of She Sells Sanctuary. And I was like, I got to hear that. So I got that album when it was new and then realized when you open it up, there's an advertisement for all these other tribute albums. And Radio Vipers was one of those bands that would kind of show up on them. I think there was at one time like a Kiss Lick It Up Vinnie Vincent kind of tribute album. And if I'm not mistaken, Radio Vipers was a band that was on that with a song called Body From Mars, which I always thought was really cool. But when I found the CD, I was like, man, I know this band. Where do I know them from? And then I looked over and I was like, holy shit, look at all the rest of these tribute CDs. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, it's from that Versailles Records in the mid-2000s. And I think Radio Vipers is like a really cool band name, too. It is a good band name. Uh, Why is it in the cutout bin? I guess because they were awesome and it was 2006. Yeah, pretty good stuff, though. Songs on the iPod for me, I gave this one 4 out of 10. I bet you if I spent more time with this CD, I'd probably want to put more on there. But uh, overall, it's just a straightforward rock band. Good stuff. If you like the Bullet Boys, if you like Guns N' Roses, you like L.A. Guns, there ain't nothing on here that you would hate, I don't think. I think it's good stuff, and it's kind of a bummer. You do these shows, and then in retrospect, you think, man, this is a really cool band. I want to check out more of their stuff. Oh, there is no more stuff, because in 2006, when this came out, I knew nothing about it and had no way to support something like that, and it never came across my vision, so it's gone. It's dead, and I dig it now, and I say, oh, great, this is something I can support. No, they're dead, long dead. There's not yeah. a whole lot of information out there about them. That's wild. That's a bummer. I hate that. But we've got one more left for today. And this one, oh man, this is something else. Before we get to it, I just want to remind everybody, of course, you can leave us a review. You can leave it on iTunes. You can leave it on Apple Music. 
You can give us a Facebook recommendation. You can leave us a Podchaser review, even Stitcher. You know, there's all kinds of ways to do it. You guys know more than anything that we appreciate the hell out of it when you do it. And that only helps us. You know, when other people are looking for a rock music podcast, when they're trying to figure out bands that they never heard of because they like Kiss, they like Ozzy, they like Motley Crue, they like Metallica, and all the bands that we talk about on this show, you know, a review is a great way to help us kind of spread the word about what we're doing here on decibel geek podcast the same way with the geeks of the week you know you want to become a geek of the week all you got to do is share and retweet this week's episode off the original post on our facebook page or on our twitter page or instagram i gotta imagine if we ever check them i don't know but there's a lot of cool ways you can get involved there's the decibel geek community which is our group I guess. And that's where the most of the cool conversation seems to happen a lot of times. Um, We've got the Decibel Geek VIP program. I just bullied Chris before we started this into uploading the Sonic Boom episode of the Torpedo Dudes. So, yes, as you hear this, there is a new episode of the Torpedo Dudes available for our Decibel Geek VIPs. And if you're not a VIP... It's real simple. You go to patreon.com. There's all kinds of different levels of commitment. You make a donation. You become a part of it. You get a bunch of extra stuff. Look into it at patreon.com. Just go there and look up Decibel Geek and see what fits you best. And you know what always fits real good? A Decibel Geek t-shirt. And if you're going to look fine, you're going to look sweet, you got to wear that t-shirt. You want to show people that you rock they take one look at you and they know. You got to go over to clickteeshop.com. That's clickteeshop with a K because they got all the kick ass, kiss inspired t shirts over there, plus all your favorite podcasts, including the Decibel Geek podcast. You know what? I don't care if we get reviews or not. Something I want to see is a picture of you wearing your Decibel Geek t shirt doing something cool. I don't care what it is, watering a flower. <laughs> It could be anything. We just want to see you doing something awesome, wearing your Decibel Geek t-shirt, and we'll talk about it, and we'll share it in the show notes. We'll share it on the Facebook page, whatever. We love it. That's awesome. Join us. We're rock and rollers just like you. We want you to have fun with us, and those are a few of the ways to do it. Oh, and, of course, Decibel Geek TV, run by our main man, the third geek, Rock and Ron Runyon. That's right. Check out decibelgeek.com. I know right now you're feeling bad because you haven't gone to a concert in a long ass time. I know. I feel the same way. Chris has got to agree with me on that. Oh, yeah. But what you can do is go to Decibel Geek TV on the YouTube and relive all those classic moments of all the awesome bands that Rock and Ron and some of his helpers have put together. Live footage of rock bands that kick ass. You want to see it? It's all there on Decibel Geek TV on YouTube. So, now that we got all that out of the way, are you ready to talk about the final band on Camaro's Cutout Bin number three? Yes, and I hope I don't piss you off. Oh, man, I hope not, because I freaking love this. I want to tell you about a band called Ambush. Oh, it's awesome. This one came out in 1996, and it's called King of the Dogs. I'm not going to lie. This one technically doesn't fit into the cutout bin category because I paid 10 bucks for it. That's a stretch for me. I have a hard time paying 10 bucks for a CD because I know if you keep your eyes open, 
in as many places as I go to, I can find the good deals. But when I saw the picture of this band on the cover of this album, being the Kiss fan that I am, I knew that this was something that I had to at least give a chance to. Chris, have you had a chance to look at the album cover of Ambush, King of the Dogs? Yes, and unfortunately, I had a chance to listen to their music. What? Oh, man. Okay, well, first, before we talk about the music, tell me what you see. Well, visually, they have a cool thing going on. And definitely at the time that this came out, that was interesting and unique. But I'll I'll give them that. 1996? uh, Yeah, that's pretty unique. Yeah, it was definitely unique. And I'll give them credit for trying to go the extra mile with the image. But when you listen to the music, you see why they tried to go so far with the image. Okay, hold on a second, because you and I are totally off base on this. (laughs) First off, when I seen this, it was at The Great Escape here in Madison, Tennessee. You know, when I go to The Great Escape, the first thing I do is I go to the new CDs. They've always got a section of the new arrivals, and then you go through the alphabetical order. So I'm over there, I'm spinning through the new arrivals, and you know what? I'm not finding a whole lot. You know, I've got I've got my list of albums I'm looking for, and I'm not seeing a whole lot in here. And across the room, my wife goes, hey, Aaron. And I look over at her, and I go, what? She goes, come here. And when my wife says, come here, I'm on my way. And over I go. And where is she? She's standing in front of this box that's got a little sign by it that says, Recently Purchased Metal Collection. I start spinning my fingers through that collection. Man, I'm finding all kinds of cool stuff. But for the most part, it's cool-looking stuff that I've never heard of before. And the band that grabbed my attention more than any other, the band Out of all the CDs I bought that day, and I bought more than I usually do, but I pulled a lot out of that collection. Man, the band I found was called Ambush. These guys are insane looking. So the album cover is truly, truly, truly what grabbed me. Because when I look at it, what I see is four dudes, long-haired rock and rollers. They're wearing masks. (laughs) That speaks to the Kiss fan in me right off the bat. So I think, wow, man, this is a little more expensive. So I flip it over. I look. I like, okay, guitar player, another guitar player that also sings. Got a bass player and a drummer. Okay, that's always a good sign for me when I'm looking at CDs of bands that I don't know, but I'm trying to take a chance on. These guys are over the top. So when you open it up and look at the sleeve, You'll see that not only are they wearing masks, but they're also some sort of cyborgs. Now we're talking about cyborg heavy metal. This takes it to the next level. Now I'm looking at it going, ah, it's ten ninety nine, but this is some sort of cyborg heavy metal. Can I pass this up? I can't. I just can't do it. I've got to take this home. I've got to check it out. So the number one question on Camaro's Cutout Bin, as always, does it rock?
Yeah, it rocks. It rocks real good. I don't know about you, Chris, but I like this. I like it a lot. And as far as if you actually know who Ambush is and you like them, I'm willing to bet that you also like Wasp, Lizzie Borden, and Kiss. Is it on eBay? You can get a copy of this CD on eBay, but it's going to cost you between 55 and 100 bucks. Pretty, what? Yeah, pretty rare. I got myself a deal at 10 at The Great Escape. You don't like the music? I don't know what's wrong with you. Tell me why. First, I'll go over the, the notes that I jotted down when I was listening to this. Okay, so, I'm interested. I love first it. Note, first note is, oh boy, this is not good. <laughs> Second note really? is, drum, the drums sound worse than St. Anger by Metallica. Um, the vocals are horrific. No. And, and this was uh, released on New Millennium Records, which I will bet $100 that this label operates out of one of the band members' bedroom. It's fucking terrible, dude. I mean, I I love you and I appreciate your perspective on music, but this, we're you and I are going to part ways on this one band because this is awful. I mean, I love their image, but God, musically, it's terrible. Wow. See, and I couldn't disagree with you more on this one. This one I really liked. As far as songs on my iPod, I put all of them on there, every oh. single song. It doesn't remind you of like some cool old Wasp or Lizzie Borden or something? If it was done capably, yeah. Wow. See, I don't... Man, I got to disagree with you 100% on this. I really love this. Between this one and 2-Bit Thief were my two favorite albums. Oh, dude, come on. You can't compare this to 2-Bit Thief. 2-Bit Thief is like 10 times the band that this is. I don't know. In different, They're both awesome in different ways, but I think this band is really good. I don't see it. And I and I've had a and like to be fair, and you know this, I've had a shit week, so maybe I'm not in the right headspace for this album, but it did not do anything for me. Yeah, what's your problem? Why don't you go cut down a tree or something? <laughs> <laughs> Why is Ambush in the cutout bin? I think they probably stayed in New Jersey for too long. This this is what's cool about this band. They, they do have a Facebook page. And on that Facebook page, which I would like you guys to go like this page and then tell this band that you heard us talking about them on the Decibel Geek podcast. But they got the whole write-up on their Facebook page. If you go check it out and like it and everything, you'll see that they started way early. I mean, there were kids in New Jersey this isn't the case of a band who started too late. This is a band that was young and were coming up. They opened for bands like Cinderella in New Jersey. I think what stopped them was they didn't move to L.A. soon enough. If they got to L.A. with the image, it's almost like they started out as a regular band. You look at like early on pictures of them. Totally influenced by Motley Crue, especially image-wise. And then later on, they do the mask, the mask and kind of robot thing. But I don't know. It's not like they're overdoing the gimmick because I've seen some footage of them from the Whiskey A Go-Go in 1996. And I think that's really what it boils down to here. I think this is a good band. And I think they got a cool image. But 1996... Yeah. Man, nobody was nobody was happening at that time. Like I said, if you like Wasp and you like Lizzie Borden, you're probably going to like Ambush. But if you're in 1996 looking for the new hot thing, this probably ain't it. But they've got two other albums. They've got one before this one, King of the Dogs, 
before they were robots. And then they mm-hmm. became robots for King of the Dogs. And then they came out with another album after that where they weren't robots, which to me, hey, it doesn't matter if they're robots or not. I think this music kicks ass. And apparently, from what I read on their Facebook page, back in the late 2000s, they kind of reunited and did some stuff. And we're talking about making new music, but I haven't, I don't know nothing about them since then. That's what's weird about some of these bands. You just don't know whatever happened to them, and you just don't know what they're doing now. Well, go on their Facebook page and say Chris Sunzak is an asshole. Yeah, and, um, that's true. <laughs> thanks. And uh, well, it's, it's funny. This reminds me of um, I actually watched a documentary on Amazon Prime last night called uh, "Working Class Rock Star," and it was made in the mid two thousands. And it's like mostly about more harder chord stuff than we cover, like death metal type stuff. Yeah. But and it was bands from Canada, but it was interesting to watch because it shows this kind of the struggles between bands at that time trying to go through, you know, playing clubs for twenty people and shit like that, and trying to actually. Randy Blythe from Lamb of God was kind of a mentor to a lot of these bands at the time, and like Lamb of God hadn't really totally taken off at the time, but the, even at that time, that he was viewed as kind of a god during that time. Yeah. But uh, um, it's interesting to watch. But so. Anything I say negative about any of these bands, trust me, it's it's more meant in jest and more as a joke because I was with you. I mean, I didn't get as far as even Ambush did. So, like, I mean, I played local clubs, traveled in a van on weekends, but even Ambush probably outdid me as far as music goes. And that's why I do a fucking podcast. Right. You know, you look at, like, uh, the dude from Jesse's Power Trip that is working in the uh, drum industry now, you know, and these bands... <laughs> And these guys, you know, they're musicians, so it's never, like, completely, oh, I'm not a musician anymore, I'm this now. You know, it's always a part of them. And I think it's cool to see that bands are still, you know, even if they took their shot back in the 90s and didn't quite make it, they're still in their hearts, they're musicians. And, you know, on the weekends, in a normal situation, maybe not what we're living through right now, but in a normal situation, they're still out there at the clubs, they're still doing stuff, you know? And yeah. fuck you, Chris. Ambush rocks. I'll do any, my hat's off to anybody that's out there trying to make it happen. It's definitely <laughs> easier than doing a medical fucking healthcare billing job sure, that I do. Sure, definitely. But, yeah, but still, not a fan of Ambush. Don't listen to Chris. Go check out Ambush. They're fucking awesome. Especially if you like Wasp. But this was fun either way. Well, there you have it. That may be the very last installment of Camaro's Cutout Bin. Because lately, as we've seen, podcasts have been under attack, whether it be on YouTube, whether it be on their streaming systems, however it works. Podcasts here lately, especially rock music podcasts, have been under attack for the music that they play along with it. You know, today, before we did this, we had a discussion about how we were going to do it. I wasn't sure if I should even include music clips. And as a matter of fact, when I edit this episode, I'm going to be sending Rock and Ron a music list edit of the show so he can put it on youtube and so that people can enjoy it there without it getting pulled down in two seconds because we played some music of some band from 1996 that nowadays most people don't even know about but here we are promoting these bands 
That's what we do. We're the Decibel Geek Podcast. So if this is truly the last ever edition of the Camaro's Cutout Bin, because we are playing some music clips along with this today, because I feel like it needs it. You know, if we're if I'm going to tell you about these bands, you kind of need to have a taste of what they are to truly get the understanding to decide if you want to go to eBay, Amazon, or wherever else these albums are sold and get yourself involved with any of the bands that we've listed here today. Because really, when it breaks on down to it, that's what the Decibel Geek Podcast has always been about. My friends, the times they are changing, but we roll with it. We don't want to go anywhere. We don't want to be pulled from our podcast streams we just want to support rock and roll that's all it's ever been about yeah and i would like to put out a challenge to the listeners you know state what you think of the episode in the comment section either on the website or facebook or twitter or whatever but also go in and say if you've bought physical copies of music from the stuff that we've played on this show i would like to see some evidence of that say you know what bands and what albums you've gone in and bought just so we can have that on record i know there's a lot of people that have heard something on the decibel geek podcast before it may have been camaro's cutout bin one two might have been a radio sucks radio show might have been a year in review might have been an interview we did we know that we've influenced buys in the music industry i know we have so on this week's episode go ahead in the comments and just tell us have we ever influenced you to actually spend your money on a band and which bands have they been we'd be really interested to find out and Will you be seeking out any of the bands that you've heard today on Camaro's Cutout Bin? Number three, possibly the last. It's the end of an era. It's been fun. So with that, I guess, what better way to end the show with a band that's probably not going to get us pulled? This is Ambush. Chris, I want you to sit down and really listen to this song because there's no way you can tell me that this sucks. This is Ambush with a song called Nobody Rides for Free, and we will see you next week. See ya.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.